Next week, we'll be back on our regular schedule, still all of our services, but we'll have our choir and orchestra back here in the sanctuary and Kelly and the worship band back in the gym, and then they'll be back here at the 1130. So back to regular schedule next week and at Cross Point, all full schedule next week as well. Next Sunday, we'll also be observing as we normally do on the first Sunday of a new year, communion. So as we get prepared for the Lord's Supper giving make sure you have those postmarked by december 31st and that can include your lottie moon christmas offering and as we continue to give through the end of the year and indeed through january for lottie moon you know we as a church have adopted a a strong goal of five hundred thousand dollars to give toward world missions through lottie moon so be praying about what you can give if you have not already to that worthwhile cause it is great to be here this morning to be able to open god's word to you in buster's absence he and his family are in california visiting family out there and i'll be back with us lord willing next sunday well if your family is like mine we've probably spent the last few days cleaning up from the christmas season putting away the tree putting the ornaments aside, packing up those once-a-year memories, and generally getting ready to close yet another year. And it is at times like this, indeed, right, that we, that we take stock of what we did or did not accomplish in the last 12 months, and we begin to look forward to this coming calendar new year and see what God has in store for us. Many make New Year's resolutions, I know, um, I make a New Year's resolution to lose weight, like many of you do every year. And uh, I watch my weight every year, and it does some amazing things, mostly going up. But I want us to look this morning, as we conclude 2012, and talk about a New Year's resolution, if you will, of sorts, that I believe that if we could adopt, could lead us individually and us as a church To look back, Lord willing, this time next year and see tremendous growth in our relationship with the Lord and see tremendous things happen because of answers to prayer. And would that not be a worthwhile thing? And I'm I'm talking specifically this morning about a resolution to be more passionate about prayer. And quite frankly, what this morning is for you is kind of an open confession For the Lord has really been dealing with me about my prayer life or lack thereof. No, no, I pray. But often I don't sense that I really pray as the Lord would have me to pray in a prayer that is is desperate, is sort of a communication with Him in which I will really listen to Him speaking to me. A prayer that builds a relationship deeper each time I go to Him and seek Him in prayer. That's what I want. But praying often is a problem, is it not? I know it is for me. Sometimes I just go through the motions and have no idea why. J.I. Packer says that many people have exchanged prayer for quiet thought or transcendental meditation. Or many people have given up prayer entirely. And he says the answer is pretty clear. For people feel a problem about prayer because of the muddle they are in about God. In in other words, if they believe there is a God, if they don't believe there is a God, 
or they don't believe that this God is sovereign and powerful, or they don't believe this God really is good and wants the best for people, or if they don't believe this God is interested in the little affairs of your life or interested in them personally, then then why pray at all? It becomes at the very least trivial. But if you truly believe, as we all should, as believers, that God is good, that God is sovereign, that God loves you, He desires the best for you, that God wants to bless you, that God is interested in your life with both big things and very small things. If you believe that, then you will want to speak with Him. You will want to pray. You will want to communicate with Him. Indeed, prayer is a, is a conversation. And conversations with parents or with friends that we value and trust their opinion with we desire we want to have we we in fact schedule time for them so we can talk with them and get to know them and what's going on and they can help us with their advice and they're interested in our lives and we're interested in their lives it's a relationship and it does not feel pointless or tedious and that is the way it should be with god our times of communion with god in prayer that is why Prayer is so critical to our spiritual life. Indeed, without regular, intimate, and in a moment, as we shall see, shameless prayer to God, we will not, indeed cannot, grow closer to Him. I mean, we can read the Bible, and we can get to know more about God. We can serve Him. We can even try to imitate Him. But to really know Him, we must communicate with him and that is why he gave us the gift of prayer and that is why i believe the very reason that prayer is so hard because satan knows this he knows that if we pray and seek god earnestly and diligently and fervently we will get to know him better and as we get to know him better our relationship will be strong and we will become more like him. Satan knows that. So he will do anything and everything within his power to keep you from praying, to keep you from communing with God. And it doesn't take much, does it? We are so easily distracted. And we're fooled into thinking that prayer is not really that important or not necessary maybe in those bad times only. Or it's trivial at best. It has been said that what a man is on his knees before God, that he is and no more. What a man is before his, before, on his knees before God, that he is and no more. Prayer is that important. That is why we turn this morning to a passage that teaches Jesus speaking directly to the disciples and us, answering the question, Teach us to pray. And I can't think of a better teacher. Let's pray together. God, indeed, as we come to your word this morning, I ask that you would speak to us from your word and encourage us to be people of prayer. Show us how you long to bless us and how you desire for us to seek you desperately and earnestly for everything and especially for the best thing. And God, use this time in our lives and may Tomorrow, we be better praying people than today, and in 2013, better than we were in 2012. And through that prayer time, may you help us.
to know you better and to receive the blessings that you desire to give us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 11. Luke 11. It's a very familiar passage. It's the passage uh, like this in, in, in the other Gospels that we gain the Lord's Prayer that we will pray uh, together at the end of our services today. Luke chapter 11. Now, our main focus this morning is going to be on verses 5 through 13. It's a story, an illustration that Jesus uses to his disciples. But I want us to see the whole context here, and so let's read, beginning with verse 1, and let's read 1 through 5 right now. Luke 11, beginning with verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Here we find in verse 1 the words, now Jesus was praying. We can stop there, for if Jesus felt the need to pray, if he knew it was that important, if he felt the hunger to go before his God in prayer, then how much more should we feel the need for fervent prayer? And then one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. No, he did not say teach us how to pray, although certainly Jesus does that as well. But he says, teach us to pray. Teach us that we need to pray. Teach us the importance of prayer. Teach us to be spurred on to prayer. And then Jesus launches here into what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And really, gang, there could be a couple of sermons given on each line of the Lord's Prayer. It is so rich. But I want us to get to the story after this. So let, but let's go through this very quickly. Verse 2, the Lord's Prayer. Father, or holy, or revered, or honored, or praised be your name. In other words, we are to pray for things that if they were answered, they would exalt the name of Jesus Christ. That sort of narrows our focus. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come is a first a prayer that God's rule and reign would continually advance in people's hearts until the Lord comes again and brings his kingdom in perfect fullness but to also pray your kingdom come is searching and demanding and personal for one must be ready to add if you're praying this prayer and start with me make me your fully obedient subject as my king show me my place among the workers to building the kingdom of god show me what i am to do for your glory then in verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. God is concerned with every aspect of our life, big and small. We must continually realize our utter dependence on Him for everything, even the very breath that we take. How much we take for granted and think we deserve much more than just daily 
bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us or has sinned against us. In other words, we seek continually from the Lord to have our sins forgiven. And then we forgive others as we ourselves have been forgiven. Much, much could be said here. And lead us not into temptation. Of course, the Lord never tempts anyone to sin. But he does allow us to experience trials and testings in life. And these are desired for our own good. Here the thought seems to be that we should continually and constantly be aware of our own proneness to wonder and to fall into sin. We should pray. We should pray that the opportunity to sin and the desire to do it never coincide. The prayer expresses a healthy distrust of our own ability to resist temptation. Now, that was a quick and painfully lacking discourse on the phrases of the Lord's Prayer. But sorry for that. But what I wanted to get to is verses 5 through 13 here. Following this dialogue that the Lord is in with the, the disciples, he uses an illustration An illustration to show God's willingness to hear and answer the petitions of his children. And he challenges us to be bold and persistent in prayer. So look at verses 5 through 13. And he said to them, Which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed and I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, (laughs) verse 8, though he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Verse 9, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Because what father among you, if he has a son that asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I believe the kind of prayer that Jesus is instructing His disciples to imitate here in this passage can best be described by the word shameless. Shameless praying. In other words, Seeking God's face in prayer with such diligence and such fervor and such persistence that we don't care how we look or what others think or how much time it will take or how much work is involved. We are to throw caution to the wind, as it were, and believe in God's desire to bless us with such earnestness that we will stop at nothing to hear from the Lord and to receive his blessings. We believe in God's desire to bless us with such earnestness 
that we will stop at nothing to hear from the Lord and get his blessings. I don't often pray shamelessly. Let me show you what I mean. First of all, we see that shameless praying is desperate praying. Look at verses 5 through 8 again. He said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me these loaves. For I have someone who's come on a journey and I have nothing to set. And he says, I can't get up. I'm not going to give you what you need. He says, but because he kept on asking and knocking because of his impudence. He will rise and give him what he asks for. So we see here that this neighbor was desperate. Apparently, food was as important to him as it is to us. (laughs) And he had a guest arrive. And it was rude in those days. After someone comes to your house after a long travel weariness and you want to set something before them, it was rude not to have anything. And apparently he knew that his neighbor had the provision that he needed. So he goes to his neighbor's house and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. He would not stop until his neighbor got out of bed and granted him his desire. He shamelessly and desperately sought Be shameless in our desperation. We can certainly find other examples of desperate praying throughout the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 32, we find the story of Jacob wrestling with God. In Genesis 32, beginning with verse 22, we read, The same night Jacob arose and took his two wives. (laughs) No wonder he needed prayer. (laughs) He He took his two wives his two female servants, and his 11 children. And he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream with everything else that he had, and and Jacob was left alone. And a man, which the Scripture tells us represented God here, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then the man said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and have prevailed. Jacob was desperate to receive the blessing the Lord. We look over in Exodus chapter 32 as well. Exodus 32 beginning with verse 30. Moses lays down his life as it were. It says the next day Moses said to the people you have sinned a great sin. They had built the golden calves and were worshiping false idols. And now I will go up to the Lord and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will, forgive their sin. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. He was desperate to have the Lord forgive the sins of the people. And he pleaded desperately, shamelessly to God. And you can look over in the New Testament and find like, for example, in Matthew 15, Matthew 15, beginning with verse 21, 
the, the Canaanite woman begs Jesus. It says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to a district of Tyre and Sidon. And, and behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Please send her away. She's begging and crying and shouting after us. And he answered, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came again and knelt before him and saying, Lord, help me, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. She was desperate for God to bless her daughter with healing. And she was shameless in her seeking of God. We could find many more examples of Scripture of people who were desperately seeking God. Uh, the other day, well, this happens a lot at my house, but the other day I was um, alone. Charlotte was gone. The kids were gone. I think there was a ball game on TV, and I was sitting in the den in the back of the house. And as usual, I heard little pitter pats of steps come up the front steps. We have neighborhood kids that love and desire to play with my kids all the time. So they, and I knew it was kids because you can, you can tell their, their footsteps coming up. And I knew what was about to happen. They rang the doorbell and I thought, well, they can't see me. The doors are shut. <laughs> They'll go away. Yeah. You, you know what's about to happen. Okay. So if you, bing, again, the doorbell. Knock, 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 Bing. And I hear Looking in the window, of course, there's, they, they know that the kids aren't there. Otherwise, my kids would have been out that door in a split second. But they were desperate to play with my kids. They kept ringing the doorbell. I said, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to get up. I got up, and I went to the front door, and I opened it, and I said, my kids aren't here. They'll be back after a while. Okay. And they went off. <laughs> went back to what I was doing. They were desperately wanting to play with my children. I don't think we are desperate enough. We don't want God and his gifts and his blessings enough. We often feel we don't need anything from God. I mean, we have everything. And what we don't have, we often feel we can figure out a way to do it ourselves. Church, Satan wins when we are not desperate for God and his blessings, and for his provision for all of our needs. Shameless praying is desperate praying. Shameless praying, secondly, is persistent praying. Look at verses 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. The words here, ask, seek, and knock, are all present imperatives, meaning continuous action, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. There's an old poem that goes like this. God answers prayer. Sometimes when hearts are weak, he gives the very gifts believers seek. But often faith must learn a deeper rest and trust God's silence when he does not speak. 
For he whose name is love will send the best, and the stars may burn out, nor mountain walls will endure, but God is true, and his promises are sure. He is our strength. God answers prayer. Yes, God answers prayer, sometimes immediately. And yet, sometimes he gives us only what we need after a long season of prevailing and persisting in prayer. It is not because he's uncaring or that he's insensitive or that he's unable. But why does he postpone sometimes the answer? It says in verse 11 that a good father will not give his son a serpent if he asks for a fish. In other words, a good father will only give his children what is good for them. This is the only answer Jesus gives to this question. When he wills that we prevail for a season, it is because he's giving us a fish and not a servant. A serpent. He's giving us what is good for us. There, there is something in that prevailing that he wants us to learn. The seeking and the asking and the knocking. Psalm 37 4 says, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Not, that doesn't mean that everything we desire he will give us. But as we delight ourselves in him, as we seek him in prayer, as we keep on seeking and asking and knocking, as we're delighting in him and our relationship is growing, then he will give us his desires in our heart. And then his desires become our desires. He will give us the desires of our heart and maybe that's why sometimes he delays maybe we're asking for the things that aren't best for us and he knows that maybe he wants to change our desires but the promise that will encourage us in prevailing prayer is simply verse 10 everyone who goes on asking and keeps on asking receives everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking will find and everyone who knocks and keeps on knocking that door will be opened. God is not unresponsive to prevailing and persisting prayer. We should not grow weary or discouraged in our prayer life. He will answer. It's been said that he, he may answer in one of three ways. He'll say yes, he'll say no, or he'll say wait. And waiting is the hardest thing, is it not? I, I know people who this past year have prayed for something very specific and God has answered that request right away like that. It's been amazing to see answers to prayer. And I know people who have prayed for things, even very important things like the salvation of a child, year after year after year, and they keep on praying. And they keep on pleading. And God just doesn't seem to answer. But they keep on persisting in prayer. Don't give up. God challenges us to keep on praying to him. Never grow weary. Those neighborhood kids that got me up. Had to go out to the door. I said, they'll be back after a while. Five minutes. You know they were back. Five minutes later, ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door. Had to get up again. I go answer. I said, they're gone for the afternoon. They'll be a long time away. Okay. Five minutes. Every five minutes. I'm telling you what. They were back. They were not only desperate to play with my children. They were persistent. I will give them that. Shameless praying is persistent. 
praying and how we need to be childlike in our persistence. Thirdly, shameless praying is spirit-filled praying, or more specifically, praying for the filling of the Spirit. You see, if we believe that God is good, and He is, and if we believe He desires to give us the best gifts, and He does, then He tells us in verse 11 through 13 what is that best gift that we should be continually seeking and desperately seeking. Look at verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? And if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give you the best gift, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is the best gift that we should be earnestly seeking, desperately seeking, shamelessly praying for, praying daily for the filling of the Holy Spirit, for the power to live the life that God has granted us. I'm convinced that all Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit when they first believe and put their trust in Christ alone for salvation. Indeed, 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but now at conversion, we have received the Holy Spirit from God. So I don't believe the Bible teaches a baptism of the Spirit separate from regeneration, but certainly the scriptures tell us to continually seek to be filled with the Spirit. We should be desire more of the Spirit's presence and power and influence in our hearts, in our lives. Ephesians 5.18 says this, to be filled again continually with the Spirit. And that's what God desires to seek Him for, to be desperately and persistently praying to be filled with the Spirit. Josh Harris, in his excellent book, Dug Down Deep, boy, I encourage you to read that book if you haven't. Josh Harris dug down deep. He asked, what is the biggest thing you have ever asked God for? Think of all the outrageous pleas that you've laid before God in prayer. Have you ever stopped to realize that by giving you his Holy Spirit, your Father in heaven has presented you a gift that infinitely surpasses your greatest or wildest request? To be indwelt by the Spirit of the living, eternal God is a greater gift a more overwhelming honor than any position, any possession, any amount of wealth, or any human achievement. There is no greater gift that God bestows than the gift of His Spirit. Are you aware of His Spirit working in you? The Holy Spirit, (laughs) the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and active in the life of of every Christian reshaping and reforming us to be like Christ. Yes, we can grieve the Spirit. We can stunt His power in our life with sin. But do you see it? Do you see this? The incredible circular truth that is shown in this few passages that we've been looking at this morning. I mean, it says here that we are to pray... That Jesus' name would be hallowed or exalted or praised or honored and to seek those things in our life that would exalt 
His name. And we're to pray that His kingdom would come and we would be involved in the building of that kingdom. And we're to pray for the things that we need for, to depend upon God. And, and that it shows us here that God is much kinder and more benevolent and than any human father and he wants to give us good gifts in fact he wants to give us the best gifts and we're to seek him with the earnestness of this man with persistence with desperation with shamelessness so that he will give us his best gift which is the holy spirit and if we have the holy spirit it changes our desires because we now have his desires and then that means we would honor god because that would be our desire and we would build his kingdom and we would seek him daily do you see that circular? It's, it's, how cool is that? That God would give us just what we need so that we can seek Him every day for more of what we need. How cool. Now my, my illustration breaks down here. Those kids came up every five minutes. And they got me up and up and up. And I finally told them, they're not here and they're not ever coming back. <laughs> the only thing I could tie into this point was that I wasn't at that point filled with the Spirit. <laughs> but why do you think the Lord uses this illustration of this man who's desperate, persistent to try to teach us to pray? I believe it's because he knows how easy it is for us to lose heart. And how easy it is for us to begin to depend upon the things of the world and not on him. And how easy it is for us to begin to pray for wrong things. My prayer for myself, for you, and for our church in 2013 is that we will learn this lesson that we won't give up. That our prayers will be shameless as it were as we seek him. If we're praying for something we need, that we will keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking if we're praying for a lost friend that we will not lose heart that we will keep on praying seeking and knocking and asking if we are praying for our church and for our city and for our nation as we should that we will desperately seek the lord and keep on asking seeking and knocking and if we believe as we should that god is a loving benevolent giving father then we should know that he wants to give us the best Thank the Lord that he does not always give us what we ask for, but he gives us what is best. And as we seek him, especially for the filling of his Holy Spirit, so we can live our life in 2013 with greater, more joyous abandonment to God and seeking him with much more fervor. But again, church, Satan knows this. So even as we make our resolutions... He will do anything and everything in his power to keep you from praying. And one of the things that he will do is to make you believe, as I often do, that I just don't have enough time. John Piper says one of the great uses, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. May we use our time wisely in 2013. May it be a year of passionate, desperate, and persistent praying for God to bless us. Would you pray? Would you stand as we pray together? God, indeed, as we look toward this coming year, 
Make us people of prayer. Make us dependent upon you. Remind us that you are a good God and help us to desire the best things and help us to plead for you to give us and bless us. Let us not grow weary. Let us not lose heart. And let us pray as you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you as you live for him. Thank you.